have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I've had my uh, drive paved, and uh, the, it seemed like it didn't bond, and I thought, that you'd be the one to call and ask uh, what I should do about it now before I have it paved again. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor, and now Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. But more often than not, when we see something not bonding, it's uh, an issue in the preparation. Either it was too cool when it was laid, or the preparation wasn't quite right for it to bond like it should. But what you're describing to me is something that I don't see very often, just having a driveway come up in large clumps. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us here on another hour of Ken the Contractor. With Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Ken can help. Just give us a call at 800-614-2975, or you can email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com. And are you getting ready to buy some windows? Well, before you do that this weekend, you better listen to what Ken has to say. You know, products in the market today have so many different characteristics and properties about them. We see all kinds of numbers and formulas and things that in most cases just kind of blow our mind or go right over our head. When we're looking for a window, typically we think um, we've got glass, we've got a frame. Does it fit the opening? And that's probably about the extent of what most of us We'll think when it comes to windows. Occasionally we'll look at style. Does it have particular uh, molds or dividers or a certain color to the frame? But beyond that, we just don't give it a lot of consideration. And in addition to that, most of us are driven by price point. A window is a window is a window, as many people would say. But what I'm going to share with you today is some information. At least two, I'm going to share a lot of information, but at least two items are going to be very important to you to make note of if you're in the marketplace for new windows, you're putting on that addition, building a new home, or you happen to be looking for replacement windows. It really doesn't matter what their purpose. All of these characteristics are important to you when it comes to saving money today, tomorrow, and years into the future because it deals with your energy efficiency. Now, windows clearly are something that we recognize have been in buildings for I guess since buildings were invented in terms of openings, maybe not glass, but they're there. They serve really two major purposes. One happens to do with providing natural light, a daylight that so many of us enjoy and appreciate, as well as ventilation and how they open can be important, especially if you do not have a central cooling in your home or some type of a cooling system. Studies have also shown that health, comfort, and productivity are improved due to well-ventilated indoor environments as well as access to natural light. And there are people that suffer in winter months from lack of sunlight, if you will. So if you're one of those, this will be important to you as well. However, and I happen to be a window lover. I'm the kind of person that likes to put a lot of windows in the house. My wife will come back and spend a lot of money to put window treatments on them to cover those holes up that I created. So that's a running battle that we have within our household. But windows represent a major source of unwanted heat loss, and that's what we're going to talk about, and that can transfer into discomfort. And, Jim, I know you've had an issue over the years with a window, a particular corner of your home, but when it comes time to replace not only that or for the other people, these few items will be very important to you. When you look at windows, you you want to look at two critical things, one called a U-value, And I'll come back and explain that. The other called the solar heat gain coefficient. Now, there are other properties that are important, but those are among the two most important. Typically, all the things you should consider will include heat gain and losses, visual requirements, meaning 
does a glass, does the glazing need to be opaque? Is this an area that needs to be private or semi-private? We typically see that on bathroom windows, for example. The shading and sun control, if you live in an area of the country prone to extensive heat, you may want to have some type of um, uh, protected or shaded glass if you don't have trees immediately adjacent to an area during the sunny times of the day. The thermal comfort, the condensation control. I have calls and I have emails during the winter where we have people that just have windows that are constantly sweating. They have moisture rolling down the wood facing, the trim, the casing and trim on the inside, and that's creating an issue for them. Then we're also talking acoustics. You may live in a house next to the interstate. You're saying, glass can help me from an acoustical standpoint? Absolutely. The right kind of window, the right kind of window panes or the glazing can be a big help from an acoustical standpoint. And then there's always that natural light that we like in. Some people like it tinted a little bit, some want that night, that nice bright light, but at the same time they don't want the heat. So these two areas, U-value and solar heat gain coefficient are very important. The U-value indicates the rate of heat flow due to conduction, convection, and radiation through a window. So it's just transferring that heat. That's what the U-value represents. It's a radiation through a window as a result of temperature difference between the inside and the outside. Now, that might get a little technical. What you really need to know is the higher the U-value, the more heat's being transferred from one side to the other. doesn't really matter whether it's summer or winter. It's heat being transferred. What you don't want to do is transfer more of what you've paid for on the inside, whether it's heating or cooling, and have it go outside. So you want a window with a lower, not higher, with a lower U-value. So typically a window with a U-factor of a point zero, excuse me, a point six, will lose twice as much heat under the same conditions as one with a U-factor of point three. This last item that I want you to consider here seriously is the solar heat gain. You'll see this abbreviated on many of these sheets as an SHGC, solar heat gain coefficient. Not unlike the U-value, the higher the solar heat gain coefficient, the higher the solar gain. And this indicates how much of the sun's energy striking the window is transmitted through the window as heat. So as the solar heat gain coefficient increases, as I said, the solar gain potential on the inside increases. Two most important items when you're buying a window, remember U-value, remember solar heat gain coefficient. You want those as low as possible. And when you're comparing window styles, companies, brands, manufacturers, look for the lower U, look for the lower solar heat gain, compare that with the price. You may pay a couple of dollars more, but you're going to save operating costs month after month. And the last item you want to consider will be gas-filled inserts in this glass because when they're applying a gas, argon, krypton, and other gases that are injected in between these panes, that's also eliminating some of the UV light protecting your carpet, wood, and furniture. I'll tell you, I've got a big picture window that's got one of those issues where when that seal gets loose... It's cloudy, isn't it? It's cloudy all the time, and and, and if I... If I had had my had the information that you were talking about, I would have gone with a different window for a picture window because replacing that, as you told me, is going to be very expensive. It's pretty pricey at this point. At some at some point down the road, if you bite the bullet and you replace it, this is going to be really important information because if I recall, that collects a lot of sun. The window you've told me about, where it's positioned, yeah. and looking at the U value and the whole solar heat gain can save you not only a lot of dollars, but it can save you some discomfort as you sit in front of that and still enjoy your view. Yeah, I'm one of these guys, and I always thought it kind of broke down in a male-female thing. Uh, I could be in the Batcave, and I'm very happy. 
I mean, it's, I don't need a lot of sunlight, but my wife uh, loves sunlight, just loves as much sunlight, natural light, anywhere in the house. So that's kind of our running battle uh, back and forth, where it's that you and your wife are battling the opposite I think direction. of the opposite, and I've seen that having built so many homes over the decades that I it really goes back and forth from husband to wife. It's rare that I'll find a husband and wife that both like either dark or both like light. It's usually one or the other. And coming up this hour on this edition of Ken the Contractor, coming up one half hour from now, our app of the week is going to be something that those of you who are Sam's Club members will want to pay attention to. And we talk a lot about green building. Well, in our green building segment coming up at the bottom of the hour, Ken's going to give you some useful information where you can find out about green building components. It's all coming up this hour. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is here each weekend to answer questions that are important to you. Today's homeowner, you can reach us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can send us your email questions. We have a lot of questions about basements, and Angel has one of those right now. Yeah, Angel asks or makes a statement, says, I live in an old house with an unfinished basement and an outside entrance. So when it rains or snows, the water runs into the basement. There are four steps, and this is going to be important for those of you listening. There are four steps that go down into the basement. I had someone put doors over the entrance. They also created a cement lip so that the water was diverted away from the steps that go into the basement. However, they did apparently not anchor it correctly. Uh, the doors from the well that separated now, they pulled apart. The cement lip has cracked and crumbled. Do you have any suggestions as to how to anchor the doors into the cement and, part two, create something that causes a water diversion to keep the water out of the steps? Well, Angel, I would tell you that the good news is whoever did this work was on the right track. The bad news is that it sounds like they did a very poor job. What they did was not done correctly. The fact that you had steps, and I told you and the listeners that would be important, going to the basement, and the fact that you also had a concrete lip placed around that tells me that you have some type of a retaining wall around these steps. That would not be uncommon, that this is a partially submerged basement. It is not fully below grade with only four steps. Says maybe it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 inches or so below grade at this point. Typically, these retaining walls around the steps should be brought up above grade. Now, that wall is, is normally either formed and poured concrete. It may be a brick wall. It may be a concrete block wall. In most cases, it should be fairly easy to extend. But this curb that someone placed there, they apparently did not bond it properly. They did not drill and dowel into the existing masonry or concrete below so that it would stay there. And that's what needs to happen. So I would encourage you to have someone come back and do that correctly, clean the surface, be sure that it's bonded properly. They may have to use an adhesive for that, remove the paint, drill and dowel some reinforcing steel into it so it has some means of contacting. But in addition to raising this lip up slightly above the grade, you may also want to look and see if there's an opportunity as you raise it up to fill in around that to create a positive flow away from the house with that dirt. So if it's pocketing or holding water right now, now you're driving that water away from the house. You also want to be sure you don't have downspouts that are dumping water immediately around this area. Now let's go back to the uh, the basement doors and, Jim, these are things I know you've grown up with, and so many people in New England were cellar shutters or doors. They come by all kinds of names. You you knew them as? We call them hatchways. Just the old hatchway. And so we call them different things in different parts of the country. But there are several companies that produce these. One would be is has a name of Bilco, B-I-L-C-O, and they specialize in producing 
exit devices, windows, wells, hatchways, basement doors, and shutters and so forth for means of egress in and out of basements. And I'm not telling you that the door you have is bad, but it sounds like it was installed incorrectly. If it cannot be attached properly to the house or to the retaining wall below, and if this curb crumbled and it was attached to that, it sounds like the whole thing just shifted, then it's not going to serve any purpose no matter how well built it is. So have a builder, have someone qualified come back, remove all the adhesive from the house or from the backside of this particular unit, install it with gaskets, make it watertight, use TAPCONS, T-A-P-C-O-N-S, or other anchoring devices that will permanently adhere that to the house and to the concrete below. When you do that, you're going to be watertight, and it should keep working for you. If you have trouble with it, check out Bilco and some others out there and see if they can't help you with new products. Angel, thanks for your email. Don't forget, you can email your questions to Ken, and that is at kenthecontractor.com. Or, of course, you can just pick up the phone and give us a call at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can always reach Ken at that number. Joining us now with a question is Mike. Mike, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor couple of related questions. Uh, my main issue, I've got a room in the house that tends to stay cooler in the winter and warmer in the summer. Uh, what it is, uh, it actually similar homes in the neighborhood have that room as a garage. I guess when they build it, they opted to have that as living space instead. Um, it's got brick exterior walls, and I've noticed that I do need to recall those. There's a pretty significant gap between the brick and the window, so I'm assuming that'll help me out some there. Um, a related question, I also have windows set in vinyl, and I'm wondering if I need to caulk in between the J-channel and the window frame or if that's supposed to be left alone. Uh, but my major concern is, is that room that I'm wondering what else I can do uh, in looking at the insulation above the ceiling. The ductwork is only about half buried in insulation, so I'm wondering if that, well, I'm, I'm sure that would, would cause some uh, some help as well. But I'm wondering, since that was... Like I say, a, a garage and other homes, the uh, code would have dictated, though, that that be insulated, I guess, since it was originally living space, correct? And is there any other advice you can offer me to, to help out there? Well, you've got two particular issues. Let me deal with the quick and simple first. When it comes to your windows that are set in vinyl, meaning that you have vinyl J-channel around those or vinyl siding, I want to refer you back to the siding's recommended procedures most companies would leave that uncaulked there are some that want to see that j channel caulked in there typically they're left open because they've got a piece along the bottom that acts as a channel that diverts water but i would always refer to the manufacturer's installation instructions on that without seeing it it's going to be hard for me to address it any further than that i want to deal with your big issue because this is costing you money on a daily basis in terms of energy consumption and that is this room that you have that, as you say, in other homes really is a garage, and this apparently was constructed either when you built it or it was a retrofit when you bought the home as existing, and it's now a furnished room. First and foremost, that attic insulation is going to be key to you. Garages are not typically insulated by most builders, and they're not required to be insulated by building codes because it's not considered a conditioned space. So in your case... I don't know for sure whether you bought this after the fact. It doesn't sound like you bought it uh, and had it constructed this way. Otherwise, it might have been treated differently. But I do want you to increase the amount of insulation you have in that attic. That is the number one place that we get the biggest return on insulation. That's in attic, and that's very easy for you to do. 
So with, this is something you can do yourself with bad insulation. You can rent a machine and do your own blown-in insulation, or you can have an insulating contractor come in and deal with that. Also, you have addressed on the outside the fact that you have air that you can feel coming in around those windows. You know, you've got caulking that's separated or cracked. That's a good move on your part. Very inexpensive to do, easy for homeowners to take care of. But what I don't want you to do is simply go out and caulk over the old caulk, because what's going to happen is it's going to crack again quite rapidly, and you're going to defeat the purpose. This is where we don't like doing this, but because it takes more time. This is in the prep, but I want you to pull the old caulking out, scrape it clean, clean the area between those joints, and then go back with the new silicone caulk that will expand and contract. And be sure you've got a good void to fill it with so it's not just a surface caulk. That's where we have particular issues. Bottom line is that any of you, for you or others that have garages that have been converted, the attic insulation you can deal with, Walls typically are not insulated or rarely insulated. You're going to have a more difficult time coping with that. So look at the obvious. Treat them as you can. Be sure you've got proper insulation in the roof space. Be sure that you have the windows sealed. You also want to look at outlets and switches. There are insulation covers that go on those. All you have to do is pull the, take the screw, the one or two screws out of the cover plate, put this behind it, put it back on. That will help with a lot of that cold air in the wintertime. So there are things you can do that will make these areas much more energy efficient, even though they weren't designed as indoor spaces. Mike, thanks. We appreciate your call. Don't forget, if you've got more insulation questions, you can go to Ken's Toolbox, and you can find out information about insulation right there online at our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here every weekend at this time answering questions that are important to today's homeowner. If you'd like to join us, you can email questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com or give us a call at 800-614-2975. Time now for our green building segment. Green building, one of the the huge elements of the building industry right now. Ken, this is pretty much a, a common sense one this week. We talk a lot about green building components, and our listeners may think every once in a while, gee, Ken, these things sound great. Where can I find them, or where can I get more information to find out if these things are relevant for me? Well, and that's why I thought we'd point you in the direction today. Green building has become very big in the industry. Some new statistics that were just released here in the last several days tell us that green building, new homes and modifications around the country, were about 17% of the national permits, and it's anticipated that that will move into the upper 20s to 30 within the next several years. That tells you that all of us are thinking more and more about building green and saving ourselves some dollars as well as we live in that home. Now, where can you find out about all the green building components, rules and regulations, even if you're not building a totally green home, but you want to start bringing some elements of green building into your house? Well, this is produced by the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Yes, they do a lot more than carry and uh, take care of oil cleanups out in the Atlantic or the Pacific Ocean. The EPA has extensive programs and information on green building issues, including energy efficiency and renewable energy, water efficiency, environmentally preferable building materials, and their specifications. And for a lot of us, that's very important. Waste reduction, toxic reduction, indoor air quality, and that has become huge across the country. We talk about that frequently on the show, as well as 
smart growth and sustainable developments, which are paramount in so many of our communities and the forefront of a lot of our thought as we look at new developments and growth. So for more information about this, whether it's Energy Star for new homes or home improvement, cool roofs, green roofs, you're looking at the EPA's WaterSense program and water-efficient products, things that I talk about frequently on the program, just go to my website, kenthecontractor.com, and click on the link to the U.S. EPA, and you'll find all you wanted to know about all programs related to green building. All right. Let's go back to the phones right now, and it's uh, Dennis who joins us, wants to ask Ken about uh, uh, possibly building a deck. Our contact number is 800-614-2975. That's the number Dennis dialed. He joins us right now. Dennis, you're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Uh, I'm contemplating building a, a deck, about a uh, 12 by a 20 deck, on the back of a uh, of a house that I own, and my uh, my dilemma is whether I should use the uh, conventional pressure treated decking board or whether I should uh, contemplate using the, uh, the the composite board that uh, that is uh, becoming very popular. I'm just trying to uh, <clears throat> trying to figure out you know value wise what uh, what the best thing to do is, Ken. Well, I'd sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil after I do a little homework, and I'd put these numbers down. What I can tell you up front, though, is that composite, uh, plastic, aluminum, all of those deck materials will cost you more than the traditional pressure-treated will. Right. But if you look at your cost per year, if you anticipate, forget about the maintenance for a moment, if you simply say, a standard pressure-treated deck may last 10 years without having any substantial issue uh, before you get a lot of cupping, splitting, warping, those type items. Yet I may have a 25-year warranty from the product manufacturer using a composite deck. If you look at your cost per year, you're going to find that the composite or these other materials will be less in the long term. Now, if it's simply a short-term deal, you're saying, I'm going to put this deck up, if I get five to seven years out of it, we're going to expand on the back of the house. We're going to sell. Somebody else may not even want the deck. Then that might be a different story. So you, you have to think about how you're living in the house, how long you intend to keep the house, and whether this is a short-term use, long-term. Is it? Do you see it as an investment? For me, if I were going to be in the home or anticipate being there for a number of years right. and would also see it as an investment when the time comes to sell the house, I would be doing nothing less than looking at some of the composite or synthetic deck boards because, number one, I hate maintenance on a house. I think most of us do. They're very easy to keep clean. Even if you're in a shaded area, a hose, some detergent, a pressure washer will get rid of any mold or mildew on the surface. Many of them today will allow you to change the color if you choose to, but they also come with a, uh, a factory, either an, integra- an integral color or a factory-applied color with long-term warranties. So there's just no maintenance. You don't worry about uh, again, the ends cupping or splitting or curling up on you. And the price of these in recent years has continued to decline. Just as you hear me talk about that with technology in terms of electronics, we see that in building materials. As more of us buy them, as they continue to perfect the technology and they tweak it a little bit year after year, the price comes down. Okay. So for my money, I, if I'm going to build a new deck uh, and I'm writing the check, I'm likely – probably nine out of ten times to say, I'm going to put something in that's uh, um, that, that's going to last much longer than the traditional pressure treated. Right. Well, this this particular home, the the deck would be on the back of the house facing, uh, the, and the view would be to the east. It's got a got a phenomenal view to the east, and I think uh, I think this uh, 12 12 foot deep uh, deck would be uh, would be an attribute 
to the uh, to the home, whether it's uh, for my use or uh, or anyone else's use in the in the future. Well, then clearly you see it as an asset and a marketing tool. Yes. Because for the next buyer coming along or prospective buyers. Most of us, again, are looking for lack of maintenance, something that looks good, that suits our needs, the way we live in a property. But we don't want to have to start out working ourselves to death day after day. So that by itself would be a plus. It would be attractive to buyers, the fact that it is low maintenance or perhaps even no maintenance, depending on what you do with your rails and all. Right. Because the systems are out there today that let you do the deck boards and all of the railings and support posts with completely maintenance-free items other than just washing it down occasionally. Vinyl-clad uh, spindles and that sort of thing? Well, they're not just vinyl-clad, but also there are component composite materials now that all of the manufacturers, the same materials they're producing deck boards out of, yes. they're producing the structural elements for your, your support post, uh, any newel post that you may have at stairs, your top rails, your bottom rails. All that's being produced by most, not all, but most manufacturers with the same materials and the same level of structural integrity. This was a drawback years ago when they started making the, the we'll say I'll use the, the general term, synthetic deck boards. Yes. They still did not produce handrails or stair treads or risers. Now they do. So your entire deck can be maintenance-free. That, uh, that, that certainly sounds uh, enticing, doesn't it? Well, it does. And then your color and your textures are the same because for a while we would mix a vinyl rail, a reinforced vinyl rail, Let's say I'll use Trex with a Trex deck board. The colors didn't match, the textures didn't match, but they were maintenance free. And the industry recognized that builders and developers were marrying mismatched products, and uh, there was also a demand for it. So they've gone a long way to make your deck look the same, both in color and texture, and uh, they want your money. Sure, sure, okay. Well, listen, that, that's been most uh, m- most informative. I uh, thank you for your time. You all have a great day. Thanks for the call. We appreciate you listening. Hey, goodbye. Thank you, Dennis. We do appreciate it. And if you want more information on decks, go to our website. Right on the front page at KenTheContractor.com, you'll find Ken's Toolbox, and it talks about some of the popular topics. And these are things that we tend to get a lot of questions on here on the show, either email questions or calls like that from Dennis. And deck is right on the front page, decks or decking. Just click on that, and you'll find a lot of other information in our website at KenTheContractor.com. And while you're there, you can listen to podcasts of recent programs or Maybe pick up one or two of the apps that we've talked about on our recent program. If you have a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, uh, you can reach us at 800-614-2975. Again, that's 800-614-2975. Or you can email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. And Ken brings many of those questions right here to the air each week. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for Ken, you can reach us at Ken's website with emails at KenTheContractor.com or you can give us a call at 800-614-2975. Time now for our app of the week. You know, these little things just make life so much easier. It saves an awful lot of running around town and or digging through a phone book for those of you that still know what phone books are. So we're going to talk about this app of the week. This one uh, is uh, reasonably new, is a Sam's Club app. And in fairness, because I brought to you some time ago the Costco app, for all of you that deal with one, the other, or both, we want you to know that Sam's Club is right there with Costco. They've got an app for your smartphone that will give you store locations, will allow you to shop online. It will alert you when they have special values or special features in the stores. You can also receive e-coupons and will give you information about your particular club updates as far as 
your membership, renewal, so many things you can do online. One of the things I like about the apps that are being developed by many of the retailers out there today is they are giving us opportunities to buy products that we don't typically see in their stores. This may be things that they're handling only through an Internet order, and it's amazing what you find that you said, I didn't know they had that. You're going to find Sam's Club is the same way. So go to my website, KenTheContractor.com, and you'll be able to find the app and get it downloaded. Maybe save yourself some big bucks on that big screen TV coming up here for the fall sports session. All right. Let's go back to the phones at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And it's Joe who has a question. He joins us right now. Hi, Joe. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hey, thank you, uh... Ken, I got a question about uh, the band around your house, uh, the foundation. Okay. Uh, I'm getting some uh, rotten spots here and there. Uh, I know because I've had a door uh, sink and I've already had somebody look at it. Um, are there people that specialize in this type of thing to fix that? You said, are there people that specialize in fixing it? You cut out and, on me. And, and putting and putting new bands around near your house, uh, the around the foundation. All right, and when you're talking about bands, for my benefit and for our other listeners, are you talking about the band board that's on top of the uh, the concrete, the block, or the brick stem wall? Yes, that's correct, yes. Uh, most In most cases, uh, car- carpentry contractors would be the ones that can come out and handle that. I'm curious, mm-hmm. how are you getting the rot? Do you have uh, a, a grade that's pretty close to the sill plate on the house? No, not really. Uh, I'm going to say it's uh, probably all... A foot, uh, a foot to foot and a half off of the ground. Okay, so it, it apparently it's been exposed to, to moisture over some time. You've got some issues in that regard. Uh, probably so. Okay. I uh, used to have the uh, the board siding on there. Okay. And uh, the house was built in '75. It was like fiberboard siding. Okay. And a few years ago, I had that taken off, and we put uh, put the uh, the vinyl siding on. Okay, well, that answers my question, and I just wanted to point you in a different direction if you weren't sure, but the old fiber siding is somewhat notorious for that. Once, as it ages, collecting moisture and then holding that moisture for a while depends on whether you had a vapor barrier behind it. A lot of codes have changed since the 60s and 70s to make uh, make our homes better and to make products last longer as well. But the band board and or the sill plate that would be on top of the concrete, either one of those, most any carpentry contractor, especially in today's market, would be happy to come out and take care of that work for you. And they're generally skilled to be able to pull any siding off that's over that and put it back on and refinish it as well. That's where I would be going for that kind of work. But I I just wanted to be sure that the water issue was addressed so that you weren't spending money and then having this again five, ten years down the road. Okay. Now, uh, the next question I got, should I replace the whole thing or... Or just the part that's bad, or what? Well, if everything else is structurally sound, you don't have any rot in that, I would simply cut out and replace. It It may be a full board length. If you've got a partial board in the middle, for example, that has rotted, you may need to replace that full board length if it's 8, 10, 12 feet, depending on how it's tied back to the structure, your joist, your floor joist, anything else in that fashion. But uh, if it's just a very limited area and it happens to be an area that's non-structural, I would cut that out and replace it. And then from the backside, it probably can be scabbed or tied together uh, to meet structural criteria uh, to tie it back into any floor joist or other elements. But, again, a skilled carpenter contractor would recognize that and know how to do that by code. 
Okay, well, I appreciate that very much. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for the call. We appreciate you listening. Thank you, Joe. We do appreciate your call. Don't forget, if you do have a question for Ken, you can reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. But also, if you're a little shy, don't want to be on the radio, you can email your questions to Ken. And we've got a, another email question that deals with the basement again. Yeah, this one's a little different, though. This comes to us from Denae in Virginia. It says, I've lived in a 35-year-old house uh, for some time, and uh, let me paraphrase this, sits at the apex of the hill, said we've never had water in our basement before. However, this spring we dug out some old bushes in front of the house. With the heavy rains over the past few weeks, we're getting water in our basement suddenly. It looks like it's coming through the block wall and or around a window well where we removed the bushes. Is this something we could fix ourselves with a block sealer, or should we look at having a contractor come out and inspect the situation? Well, Danae, this is going to be a little bit of a guess on my part, but the fact that you are, one, well above the water table, you sit at the crest or the crown of the particular hill so you're not down slope, and that you have not had a water problem in this basement prior to removing these plants, and the water leak is in the area where the plants removed, tells me that there may have been something that you damaged or broke loose inadvertently during the course of your, your excavation. Now, not necessarily, but I want to tell you that's one thing to look at. If you were using the shovel close to the wall, you may have torn through some of the vapor barrier or waterproofing membrane that you have there. You're not going to put a hole in the block, but you, you may also have broken a pipe or a line or loosened a penetration if there was a pipe below that where it was caulked or sealed around the wall. That is one area for you to go back and look at. But it may be more probable that by removing these plants, that ground has now settled, you loosen the soil, and you've got an area that pockets or holds water, where before you had some fairly solid ground, and perhaps it was moving that water as it should away from the house. Now you're collecting water in and around this well and the window. So I want you to look at those two things. One, be sure you have not damaged the vapor barrier or waterproofing along the outside in your excavation to see if there's settlement where you've removed the plants, put the topsoil back in. If so, you need to fill that up. It needs to be compacted. You need to get it back to a point where you are shedding water away from the house. That means the soil is going to be higher at the house rather than the yard surrounding the home, and get that water away. I think you'll find clearly it's something you can do yourself, and I think it's something probably created from your excavation activities. People just don't realize it doesn't seem, except when we see it in severe storms, how maybe destructive is a little too strong of a word, but how a, a real problem water can be if you do allow it to accumulate in certain areas, just time after time, storm after storm, it can cause some real problems for you. You know, a small example, and everybody can relate to this, if you take a sound, a solid plastic container that holds three gallons and you fill it up with water, it will just sit there until that water evaporates. But you put a pinhole in the bottom, just the weight of that water, and over time that water is going to leak out through the bottom, and it's going to saturate what's below it. When we're ponding or holding water adjacent to our home, it's very much the same way as the pinhole in the bottom of that bucket. It contains it, and now it has some means of leaking. As long as we can get the soil up high enough that it moves the water away and that soil is compacted, you're just not going to have the kind of issue that we're talking about here. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. You know, if you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach Ken. A couple of different ways that you can be part of the program. You can email him questions to our website, KenTheContractor.com. And while you're there, please check out our apps of the week and also our podcasts and many of the different questions uh, that you, the listeners, have forwarded to Ken. Or you can give us a call, and you can call your questions into Ken at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. 
been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com. 